3: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, what's up?
1: Nets losses are not fun to recap.
3: Yes, especially after Christmas. Merry Christmas to everybody who celebrated, but the Nets did get handed an L by the Knicks tonight, 94-82 at Barclays Center. Not something you want to see. It was a pretty terrible game, not just from the Nets' perspective, but just a general entertainment. But we'll dive deep into that. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But Jack, where do we start?
1: Uh, I don't know, Nick. Where do you <laughs> want to start? Do are there were there any positive takeaways from this game at all?
3: Oh man, it's really tough. I thought maybe Rodion's had some good moments in this game. That was probably the only player who was like, oh, well, he's playing better than he has in the past. I don't think he played amazing, but I think you can see some positivity, especially after a loss to David Nwaba. The Nets can use somebody like that. So that'd probably be the most positive thing. But I think from the start, it just had a negative vibe. Like the Nets scored 15, po- uh, 15 points in the first quarter of this game. And it wasn't because the Knicks were playing some amazing defense. It was the Nets shooting historically bad.
1: Yeah, they shot terribly. I think um, Pooch put on Twitter... That they scored one more field goal than their all-time low, so 21 yep. field goals. At one point, they had the same amount of turnovers as ter- as field goals made, 12 and 12. It was a disgustingly horrible offensive display. You know, I think that is the the crux. We don't. Re- I think if you looking for anything and sort of things to take away from this game and go, oh, why are the net so bad? They just didn't hit their shots. There was no good players uh, from this performance. You know, I thought Spencer was. You know, he was. He proved what his bet, his worst is now. I, I was disappointed to see him him miss those you know late free throws when there was sort of a minor chance heading into the fourth. But overall, and I don't think I think Spencer you know can sometimes take some bad shots. But he is leading this team now. I would still rather have the ball in his hands fifteen times plus. Than put the ball in someone else's hands for even five shots, and you know he in in, in a weird way. I, I don't know whether he needs to be playing more James Harden-esque. I'm not. I don't necessarily think that is the case because the Nets' system does predicate on having you know role players contribute, and you know that's generally when the Nets are playing their best when Prince and Temple and 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 Harris and all these other guys are contributing. But literally no one else contributed. No other player other than. Timothy LaWild Cabrera, who was out there in junk time as well to get some extra buckets, scored more than 10 points.
3: Yeah, I think Spencer, like, he played as well as I guess he could other than missing shots because the Knicks were able to just kind of drop everybody in the paint because nobody on the team was contributing. They didn't really have to worry about getting back for help because the Nets missed probably... I would say 25 wide open threes in this game. Like they missed, you know, some contested threes, but there was probably 25 wide open threes from at least average three point shooters that they just missed. And then the Nets weren't making the Knicks pay, so they're able to kind of shut down Spencer. You know, he's a really good player, but nobody's going to be able to
1: score if there's three defenders in the paint. 13 of 50 from three, Nick. Yeah. 13 of 50, 26 percent. You know, only 20, not not much better from the field overall. If you turn that into a 35 percent you know shooting performance from either area then the nets are in this game and and yes there was a, a lot of things i think the nets didn't h- handle well in terms of you know the the physicality and the size of the of the Knicks. I thought Nillakina played. had some nice defensive players. And Dinwiddie made things a little bit more uh, uneasy for him. You know, Randall obviously uh, beasted out. I thought you know uh, Mitchell Robinson seems to always play well against the the Brooklyn Nets. But there were just so many poor performances. If we go through literally every single player, you know, we aren't going to re- literally point out any positives from them.
3: Yeah, it was really tough. It was just so many missed shots and mistakes out there and just not reading and just not being fully engaged. And, you know, they still had an opportunity to win as bad as they played if they just hit their shots like you mentioned, Jack. They shoot 35% from the field and 35% from three. You know, they probably are playing a clutch game down in the last two minutes. But instead, you know, they got essentially blown out. And they just didn't have the juice in other areas where they, like you kind of mentioned when Spencer missed those late game free throws, there's probably a couple hustle plays they could have made to push it to maybe 10 points. And then you put a pressure on a bad young team like the Knicks and you have a better shot and you can get momentum, but they just didn't have the juice. They didn't have the jumpers.
1: They didn't have the two J's Nick. Yeah. The two J's that are essential to Brooklyn Nets quality basketball. Are you worried about Toyin Prince at all?
3: Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, I definitely like was pretty high in him going into the season. I think I was a little bit off. I think I can understand why Hawks fans were kind of upset with Torian Prince because he seems like a very streaky player. Because when he's on, you can see how much he can add to the team. But when he's off, he can be really bad. Like tonight, 1-10 of from 3. And after he missed the first two, I didn't think he was going to hit one the whole night.
1: Yeah, I think he... I mean, if we're going to compare him to, say, Alan Crabb, a, a foreman that it seems to me that that's what Torian Prince is sort of turning into. I mean, the fact is Torian Prince will still take those shots. But he's, you can always tell that he lacks the confidence in, it. and that's not to say that anyone else shot well from three. My boy Joey Bucket shot two of seven. Garrett Temple was two of seven. Spencer Dimini was the best at three of nine, no over 33%. The only guy going even above 30% from the line, so uh, from the perimeter, sorry. So for me, I'm worried about him as well, but I think overall, I, I'm not necessarily worried about the three-point shot. I just think it's a lack of consistency from a lot of this team, and I think they feed off that energy. I think in in a lot of sports, you feed off what the intangible energy is there. Right now, there is some bad, I don't know, some bad juju happening with the Brooklyn Nets right now. Spencer Dimity is continuing to do good things. I'm not saying you know that there's. These aren't fixable, but... And it it seems a little bit rich to see Bobby Marks coming out right now to say he's surprised about the Brooklyn Nets record. But at the end of the day, the Nets are above expectations. We have said that. Spencer Dimony has usurped us and has has allowed us to get there. I think Coach Kenny, his coaching has got us there as well. And then just some intangible elements from some role players getting hot. Joe Harris continuing to shoot incredibly well from three. But in terms of, you know, Toyin Prince, Nick, I, I think... He didn't even rebound the ball well tonight, you know, only five rebounds for him. It's a, it's a worrying trend, but I think we need to look at this as a one game isolation. I think he's in previous games, he was rebounding the ball well, he hasn't shot the ball well in a, and it feels like a very long time. But I think it all it takes is one game to get that confidence back and hopefully that comes against the Houston Rockets.
3: Yeah, and some of this is kind of like you kind of hinted at, asking guys to do more than they're expected to do going into the season. You know, Spencer's a guy I think that can step up and handle the load because he's had to do it in the past. But guys like Torian Prince or guys like Garrett Temple, you can see the wear and tear on them. And like to expect them to be as consistent as they were earlier in December and played so well, it's just not going to happen for a whole month. This team is missing its top three players. Tonight, it looked like it. Other nights, they're able to get past it because guys step up and they're hitting nice shots. But when they're not shooting well and they have this type of talent – they're probably not gonna win
1: many games, if any. No, they're not. And uh, I think you're making a good point, Nick, in terms of the talent on this roster right now. It's an incredibly talented roster. You know, you compared, you know, the rosters one for one against the Knicks, I said in preseason sort of previews with Vic and, and, and other sort of when we talked on other podcasts as well, that I think the Knicks have, you know, NBA players on their roster. You know, you look at Bobby Portis is a decent enough player. You know, Marcus Morris is a good player. Taj Gibson can do some nice things when he's out there. RJ Barrett is a talented rookie. Uh, uh, Alfred Payton continues to do some nice things. Frank Nilakina is a really good defender. Whereas the Nets have a mismatch of guys and they have NBA players in their starters and that consistency, you know, obviously I think they're like 12 and 6 or something uh, something like that with this current iteration of the starters. But overall, you know, when you go to the bench and uh, outside of Rodion's coach, like you mentioned, Nick, I thought he was he showed some nice glimpses tonight on both ends of the floor. Wilson Chandler's been poor. DeAndre showed, you know, the inconsistency that we have come to know and hate about him. Theo Pinson had, you know, I think was throwing out there just to give us something. And, you know, and Timothy Luol Cabrera just isn't a good enough offensive force.
3: Yeah, if you look at the Nets roster and you just break it down considering who's healthy, the amount of starting NBA players in this team right now healthy, you have probably Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, and you probably say Torian Prince is fringe. Garrett Temple's been a bench player his whole life. DeAndre's a bench player. TLC's not really an NBA player yet. Wilson Chandler's coming back from a 25-game suspension. Rodion's has been all over the place. Theo, Musa, and Ellenson, you know, are all G League players. So it's just, like, really rough to put someone of the out there. I mean, the bench unit today was Garrett Temple – TLC, Rodion's, Wilson Chandler, and DeAndre Jordan. That's just not good, especially considering you know Garrett Temple can't play point guard. Like, he can do it for a little bit, but he can't play it at a high level. You see some of the mistakes he makes, and it's just because he just can't play point guard. It's not an easy thing to do in the NBA.
1: It's, it's the h- toughest position to play. And I think it's the toughest position to play on the Brooklyn Nets when so much is asked yep. of you. I think in terms of the pick and roll action, you had the ball in your hand so consistently. Spencer has stepped up in that in that regard. But I think overall, there is so much burden being a point guard in this Brooklyn Nets system. And like you mentioned, Nick, I think it, one thing that I probably is more frustrating about this game is that, in the past, the Nets have been able to galvanize around this and sort of that next man up mentality. But it seems that that's gone to the wayside a little bit. Just the the energy seems to be a little bit sapped. Yes, you have the nights off, obviously, you know, with, with Christmas and stuff. But this Nets team really lacked that motivation to, to really go out there. I thought Spencer Dimini showed some aggression for the most part. But outside of that, and, and DeAndre at times... It, but it seemed to me a lot of the times that Coach Kenny and Kyrie on the bench were, were making more noise than some of the guys out there on the floor.
3: Yeah, I mean, Spencer's probably the only guy that I could say was, you know, engaged and attacking and aggressive. You know, 17 free throws, that's just, that's a positive regardless in a loss or a win. But DeAndre, I thought he had some solid moments in that second quarter. Then he was fouled by Mitchell Robinson on a rebound he hit the ground hard. And then he started kind of walking, maybe a little bit of a limp. And then after that, he was just getting bodied on a regular basis by Mitchell Robinson on the putbacks. So I thought it was a really bad game from him. And he kind of sets the tone for that second unit because they lack so much talent. When he plays bad, the whole second unit's going to play bad. It's just it's really hard to win right now with the talent they have and they shoot so bad
1: yeah I'm, I'm I think from I think you make a good point about DeAndre obviously Nick you know the inconsistency is what's most frustrating about him when he can have dimes aplenty and, and get some uh, massive alley-oop dunks like he was you know in a Los Angeles Clippers uniform you know he does set the tone as a leader within this book and that's organization as well you know the young guys in the role players look to him to set the standard both vocally and obviously on the floor too but yeah, I think I'm most frustrated, Nick, because I think it's probably a combination of things, and it comes down to the entire roster. Because what we've seen from this roster in its current iteration is a very, very good team. You know, a sixth seed in a in an otherwise pretty talented, you know, Eastern Conference. But when they play like this, they play like worse than the Chicago Bulls. And you struggle against the Atlanta Hawks. You struggle against the Knicks. You're playing like a bottom three seed. And yes, the Nets may have bottom three seed talent. But the way they play and can galvanize and show teamwork and show and play above themselves, they've shown that time and time again. And maybe it's too much to ask for them to continue to do it. But I think they have it in them to continue to play like that because Coach Kenny coaches them well. They have good leaders. They have, you know, they all seem to like each other in terms of the chemistry off the court. It's just frustrating because now, I think this performance can be put down to, like we said at the start you know, offensive aberrations that we probably won't likely see again. But, you know, who knows? That could happen uh, in another performance. But it's still frustrating it because we've seen how good this team can be against really good teams, against Denver, against Boston, against some really high-level teams. And then they throw out these, these garbage-level performances. And, yes, it's an 82-game season, but we are an 82-game podcast. So we have to analyze each game with its merit. And right now, this was probably maybe the worst game of the season with the Phoenix Suns' performance right up there, too.
3: Yeah, it's always so hard to gauge a loss when the shooting is so bad. Because, yeah. you know, like if like we mentioned, if they shot well in this game, we're thinking about it a little bit differently. And then also, I think statistically, there were some outliers on the Knicks' side. Julius Randle shot 14-26, 5-9 from three. Like, he's not a good three-point shooter, and he was hitting a ton of jumpers. And he really didn't do a ton of damage hitting layups. So I think sometimes it's just, like, things really go wrong, and then it sticks out even more with the lack of talent. But you're right. Like, guys aren't stepping up. And I think some of it is, like, some of them aren't veterans. Some of those, you know, aren't part of the Nets culture. There's new guys being brought in, and they don't know how to play, and there's no one really to set the tone for that bench unit.
1: Yeah, I think Wilson Chandler... Had despite the fact that he uh, he just looks like he's still feeling his way into this system. I think we've spoken about him rather positively, but I think that comes after performances where you see other guys step up. So he has to play more of an ancillary role. But when we need that little bit more out of him in the second unit, he can't necessarily provide it for us. Uh, at the end of the day, this Nets team, like you mentioned, Nick, doesn't have a heap of talent right now. But there are three guys waiting on the wings that we'll get to, and hopefully those guys are back sooner rather than later. And your boy Kara seems to be back pretty soon, at least from what Kenny and uh, the boy himself are saying.
3: Yeah, it looks like, you know, Kerr said he'll be back very soon. You know, some of us thought maybe he'd be back today on like a minutes restriction or something like that. But, you know, maybe we'll see him Saturday against Houston. The team can really need him on multiple levels. We talked about the talent, but also I think the lack of a second creator is hurting them. It puts so much pressure on Spencer. And then just at other times the offense is so stagnant because somebody can't break down their man off the dribble.
1: Yeah, and we'll get to, I guess, some of the comments from from both Kenny and Karras, and Kenny has said that he wants Karras to have a couple more sessions with contact before coming back, he didn't say when he would come back, but he did mention that he is really close, and Karras himself said, I'm right there, I'm just not playing games yet, so do you expect him to be back by the Houston game, if not, sometime on this road trip?
3: Yeah, I think he'll be on the road trip. I think Minnesota, you know, Monday at Minnesota would be more likely, and it figures that's a game that I might miss because I'll be traveling, so I won't get to see the return. But hopefully it's Saturday.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, fingers and toes across the, uh the carousel, the number one carousel stand himself. Uh, I think, and I think this is via Alex Schiff of the Athletic. On he asked. Coach Kenny, could he see Karras LeVet playing some backup point guard? Do you see that as a role that could really benefit this team in its current iteration as Karis works his way back into form and fitness?
3: Yeah, we saw it two seasons ago where, you know, last year Karis, you know, was obviously starting at the end of the year in the beginning of the season. But the year before, we kind of started to see more of that playmaking. A lot of it came with that second unit developing with Jared Allen. So maybe Karis can get back to that. And I don't even think it has to be a thing where, you know, he doesn't start. They could always stagger the minutes. They can start him, whatever he wants to do. I think they're going to work him back. Not super slow because it was a hand injury, a finger injury. It wasn't like a knee or an ankle, so he's probably been pretty well conditioned. It's more so of just getting used to the field again.
1: Yeah, and his turtleneck game was strong tonight. One, <laughs> of the few, one of the few highlights, very nice gray. You know, very festive. I like I like turtlenecks in the festive season. It reminds me of Pam's little red one from one of the Christmas episodes of The Office. But Nick, there, did, was there anything else you wanted to touch on before uh, we get to Kyrie Irving? And Was there anything? Uh, are you, do you think Karis can, how much can he help this team in their current woes?
3: I think he can help them a lot, especially in the creating aspect for that second unit. Just having somebody that can handle the ball and run a pick and roll and get things going offensively. You know, obviously he has to get back in rhythm, so we don't want to have super high expectations. You know, he's missed a good chunk of time. But he can really help in that scoring department, take some of the load off Spencer, and also just having another scoring option out there, like somebody else who can attack if, you know, when he has to go to the bench or he's in foul trouble, or hey, he just wants to take two possessions off. You have somebody that you know can go get buckets with, you know, when he was playing in the playoffs with the best of them.
1: We're seeing rotations with Chandler, Jordan, Timothy Lowell, cabreau and Rodion Skouritz out there. You putting Karras Verdon into those rotations, it automatically makes them True. infinitely better. Infinitely better because, you know, we've spoken about the the lack of talent, the lack of ball handler, and how important it is to coach Kenny in the book and that system. But Karras is going to provide this team at least something, even a job just intangibly because his presence automatically you know, makes you invigorated because it changes things a little bit. And, and Karras obviously has a feel for this system um, more than any other. He's one of the longest tenured Brooklyn Nets you know, ever since uh, he was Sean Marks' first pick. But we'll get to Kyrie Irving, Nick, and, and we haven't had the chance to, to address these rumors. We, we've now seen Coach Kenny address them. Thor- thoracic bursitis if i'm saying that right it's like you trying to say uh timothy la wild cabaret <laughs> um but coach kenny did address them and said that it's not true it came from brandon Scoop B. robinson who also said that kevin durant would end up in a lakers uniform at some stage so what are your thoughts on thoracic bursitis and everything that's happening with Kyrie irving's uh, recovery
3: yeah i don't really take a ton into it like i kind of mentioned to you off wax you know i'm not a really trusting that source i don't think he's nailed a ton of things where so i'm like hey 99 percent chance he's correct it's more of like a 25 percent chance he'll nail a couple things but a lot of the time he's off and it doesn't make sense for the nets to leak stuff to him and then like shams and woge not to get anything especially with the way the nets are with injuries so there's something with the shoulder that they're not telling us i'm not sure if it's that specific thing You know, I'm a little a little bit more worried now that we haven't got an update where Kyrie's doing contact and it looks like Karis is definitely going to be back ahead of him. So it's just kind of like an unknown right now. There's really not much to say other than something's wrong with his shoulder.
1: Yeah, he he certainly experienced some sort of setback or at least a lack of progression. I think it is. That's a really good point, Jack. I think there
3: probably was a setback and they don't want to bring it up. And it's a type of injury where it's been mentioned, you know, any type of shoulder impingement or whatever might be wrong. It's very hard to rehab and it's very easy to get a setback based off of, you know, some of the articles and reports I've read from doctors. So I yeah. think it could be a possibility.
1: Yeah. And Coach Kenny mentioned in himself that he presumed that Kyrie would be back a little bit quicker, but he said that shoulders are tricky. So no one ever knows. And shoulder impingement, you know, shoulder impingement and thoracic bursitis, I think that they're almost like kind of similar in terms of the extent and, and the extremity of the, the actual injury and how it affects the shoulder and the recovery. Obviously, I, I think that this injury is incredibly complex. It's not as simple as, you know, a, a, a recovering from, from a broken thumb like Karis Avert has. Even things like ACLs and, and Achilles injuries, there's a set sort of, you know, you look to what's happened in the past to other guys with their injuries, whereas shoulder impingement, it's sort of like what it reminds me of, and I'm not comparing it necessarily. Mark Alfolds. Yeah, I was literally going to say that. You took the words right out of my mouth, my friend. But obviously, Markel's back and doing some really nice things with Orlando. And I think Curry, Irving at least has confidence in his three-point shot. And I think that's one thing he has never lacked. So I think when he does come back and he is healthy, Kyrie is not going to lack the confidence. But at the end of the day, it is still a little bit worrisome. We're going to keep addressing it until, you know, we get more news. But at the end of the day, until we see Kyrie Irving out there, it is troubling. It is concerning. But, you know, the Nets are obviously ultra-conservative. And, you know, we've seen Zion Williamson sort of say already that, like, he would he thinks he could be out there. Maybe behind the scenes, Kyrie Irving thinks he could be out there. But the Brooklyn Nets are trying to hold him back a little bit. It, it, it doesn't make sense to bring Kyrie Irving back anyway because as much as we want to have a successful season this year just for the fans and and, and for everything else in general, this year doesn't matter as much as it does when Kevin Durant is ever healthy. Maybe if Kyrie Irving is back around, you know, hopefully in two, three weeks' time, there is no timeline in this injury. And I think as fans uh, of the Brooklyn Nets and just NBA pundits and Kyrie Irving fans in general, that's probably the most frustrating thing because it's just like, oh, well... And I think the more frustrating thing, and I'm not sure if I agree with Stefan and saying that, you know, there are season ticket holders and we, we live in an age where, you know, we need to have timetables. It's just like, I don't we think don't. you can. And I, one, we don't. And one, I don't think you can. I, I think that, you know, you can say a certain thing and things can change. Like, I don't think there has been as much... Vitriol and hatred towards Zion Williamson having a setback. You know, he was like, "Oh, everyone's like, oh, he'll be back for Christmas. It's all good. He'll be back." You know, they'll burst the Nuggets, uh, they'll burst the pelican the Nuggets, and you know, they'll get the win. But now he's had his setback, and he's readdressing a lot of different things. I think there's the fact that there's more media and more news coming out about that makes fans of the NBA and fans of Zion and and the Pelicans a little more comfortable. But I think his, you know, we we know what's happening with him. He's readdressing movement mechanics to help him have a long and and, and prolonged career. Kyrie had shoulder issues in the past. Maybe that is affecting his current shoulder predicament. We don't know what's going on because the shoulder impingement is so vague that even a lot of really highly trained medical professionals are finding it hard to pin down. It's not a one-size-fits-all thing.
3: Yeah, and like you mentioned, it's really hard to diagnose. They were saying that, you know, it's hard to identify exactly what's going wrong. And the rehab is a lot of rest and just anti-inflammatories where there's not really any type of thing you can do in there. I think they said in some rare situations it's surgery, but it's more of just kind of a rest and wait thing. And Like you mentioned, the season's not like do or die right now. So it just makes sense to rest him so he's 100% and you don't have a setback in the future.
1: Yeah, I think that makes the most sense, Nick. We want him to be healthy to have the to play out the rest of his contract pain free as much as possible 100% There'll be probably some injuries along the way, but like you mentioned, yet shot surgery is an option, but I think that that is what you mentioned first is, is that rest and recuperation and just seeing how you know the shoulder responds to different amounts of, of recovery. Obviously, what I'm guessing is what's happened, and, and this is not me playing doctor, is that Kyrie struggled in some of those pre-contact sessions and he hasn't been able to develop into the contact sessions like Karis has. Karis can because he's just he's just recovering a hand a finger injury yeah, Exactly, and it's a shoulder, and you know he hasn't. He has to go. Okay, how do I wake up the next day after having a practice? Oh, it doesn't feel so good. That means it's a couple of days behind. We spoke about that with Kevin Durant uh, on the Christmas show and the gift show. Where I was like, I, I, I'll give Kevin Durant some luck so he can have you know a, hopefully a, a positive recovery from his Achilles. I think Kyrie Irving needs all the luck in the world right now too, and I think he needs a little bit of patience from all, ever all, all the Nets fans around him. I know we are generally okay with the the Brooklyn Nets being a little more shaded in in how they report their their injury news, but it still has a little bit of frustration to it because we wanted to be back soon and, you know, the Nets are struggling. So I think that compounds the fact as well.
3: Yeah, you don't care as much when it's a winning streak or, you know, they won, you know, three of their last four or something like that. But after a terrible performance like that, you're like, when are the reinforcements coming? So it's a little bit more frustrating. But at the end of the day, I think it'll be fine. I think, you know, Kyrie will eventually be back. Karis, like we said, will probably be back on this road trip. And things will start to get better. And obviously, you know, there is some hope maybe the young guys can step up on that bench unit. But if they don't, we still have two very good players, at least one coming back for sure. And then the other one most likely coming back at some point in January.
1: Yeah, there's some there's some reinforcements coming, and you know you'd put in two guys or at least one guy. Karasev takes the minutes away from I don't know. Let's TLC. TLC, you know, automatically you have a ball handler out there. You have a guy who can play some capable defense. Um, I, I think TLC's playing probably playing better than Wilson Chandler in a lot of respects right now. That's a discussion for another day. But hopefully Karras and Kyrie are back sooner rather than later. You know, I think we spoke about who would be back first out of Karras and Kyrie. We changed, we flipped and we flopped, and I think we were both right in, in thinking that. Because Karras is... Injury is a lot less complex and a lot less sort of, there's a lot less minutiae to it. He carries his back hopefully sooner rather than later. And I think that we can have confidence in saying that.
3: Yeah, 100%. And obviously the Nets could really use him going to face Houston, Minnesota, Dallas, Toronto. So it's not an easy stretch coming up for Brooklyn. God, no. Hopefully they can turn this bad shooting slump into a hot shooting, you know, stretch. And they really could use it over these next couple of games. But Jack, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here?
1: All it takes is one game, Nick. All it takes yep. is one game to, to get you a little bit of confidence. To, to uh, I think that you, you, you put this performance aside and you don't necessarily need to look at a heap of different film, maybe in certain circumstances. I think that when you're looking at the film, maybe, I'm, I would be guessing that a lot of the assistants of Coach Kenny would be saying, we've got a lot of good shots. We've got to hit those. And I think at the end of the day, if these guys can put say, mentally engaged enough and go, okay, I missed those shots. That doesn't mean I'm going to miss him in over, against Houston. doesn't mean I'm going to miss him against Minnesota. doesn't mean I'm going to miss him against Dallas or Toronto. You need to judge it play-by-play. Play. And I think it's we touched on it a little bit with Garrett Temple, Toyin Prince, these sort of guys. You know, play-by-play play mentality. Hopefully, you know, we've beaten the Houston Rockets before. I think they're going to be motivated after a Golden State loss. I really dislike it when the teams we come up against lose. It seems to be a motivation factor. But if the Nets play well enough, they can certainly be in it
3: and the net should be motivated too after a terrible performance you know kenny's hopefully lighting them up about you know being more persistent playing with a little bit more juice. And, you know, Houston's played better defense, but it could turn into a shootout, and that's the type of game that can get confidence going for a lot of three-point shots like a guy like Torian Prince or Garrett Temple. I'm not really worried about Joe. His shots will eventually fall, but hopefully they can get hot in Houston and carry it on for the whole road trip. But, Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening, like we mentioned earlier. Merry Christmas. We hope you had a great holiday or whatever holidays you celebrate, and you can always find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire.